Make sure they are. Don't hurt them, though. But if you do, we'll pray for them. No problem. Well, it's good to see you tonight. It was 70 degrees today, and today we're back to winter, right? I, I coached track, and we, uh, uh, Jackson Center High School, and um, conditioning started Monday. It was in the 50s. Yesterday, it's 70. And so the kids got spoiled by two days of warm weather. So they show up today for track and, and cut off shirts and shorts and <laughs> take them outside. And even though they're running, they're like, they're, they're freezing, they're complaining and griping and moaning. And yeah, so did I have mercy on them? Absolutely not. No mercy. No mercy. So it's, ama it's amazing that kids sign up for track. Then they come to practice and complain why they have to run. I, I, don't, I don't understand. It's just, it boggles my mind. It's just amazing. Why do we have to run? It's, this is track. It's just, see that? Oh, yeah, we run around that thing. Yes. Yes. So anyways, teenagers, right? So I was thinking uh, my wife was in Florida for a week. She was down there. It was in the 80s. See, uh, we, we have a deal. My wife's from Sarasota, Florida. I'm from Hershey, Pennsylvania. Kind of her family moved up there when I was in college. That's where we met. Um, we have a deal. I will never move to Florida, ever, because the, the heat year-round just doesn't work for me. I like the seasons, but I made a deal. You can go to Florida whenever you want. That was our deal, and her, my, my in-laws still live there, so she was in uh, Sarasota visiting my in-laws, and my daughter went and, and some friends. And, but it was, it was funny because she was gone, and we recently had a marriage conference here. Was it last weekend? And somebody asked me something. I, I, it's a funny story about my wife being gone. It just connected to my mind about a marriage conference. Gentlemen, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you some good advice right now. Okay, it's a good story here. When we first moved here, um, you went back to visit your parents. I stayed here. My, my son at that time was still pretty little, but my oldest. And while she was gone, this, this is the advice, I bought a car. You remember that? And I picked her up at the airport. <laughs> And she walks out. She goes, whose car is this? I said, well, it's our car. Surprise. And uh, so my advice is don't ever do that. So um, it was a good car, though, wasn't it? It, it was actually, uh, yeah, the Lord was working because that was the car that I traded in for my first truck. So God was, God was working, you know, working Behind the deal. The so, But <laughs> anyways, it was a good car. Don't ever do that. All right. Um, I, I, was, I was working the cart tonight. We love our volunteers, so I just left my volunteer uh, love t-shirt on for you. But we do love our volunteers. Uh, you guys are incredible. And it's, it's something we always say. If we didn't have volunteers in our church, you'd come in on Sunday, and all you would have is a pulpit, a Bible, and a pastor, which is completely fine. That's okay. But in order to do anything outside of that, we need you. And, and it, whether it's it's, it's the media, whether it's the greeters, everything that happens in the lobby, frontline teams, children, youth, clothing sorters, you know, that there's, we couldn't sit here and name all of them. You guys are important to us, and we appreciate you. So, uh, ch church is, church is uh, being present, but church is active participation. Yes. We, we sing together. We get into the word Together, you know, I, I love that they put the, word, the Bible verses on the screen, but I hope you still crack your Bible open even though it's up there because we're getting to word together. You know, we break bread 
together. We, we come to the Lord's table and break bread and communion together. Church, you, you can be present at church, but not be an active participant in church, right? But church is to be active participation. So I, I say all that, and this is a blurb, it's not my message, but it's kind of a blurb about volunteering. If you go here and you do not serve, we, 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 by the way, uh, it's, it's percentages as far as giving, volunteering, our church is above board in anything you're going to find. We, we, we know you guys are phenomenal in your giving and your volunteering. But at the same time, there's still always more to do, right? So I think a week ago, I think this past Sunday in your, in your bulletin, there was a volunteer needs flyer. So if you are not serving our church, the cafe, they need a once a month volunteer on a Sunday. Media department, they need a, a, a Sunday and a Wednesday camera operator. Fellowship dinners that you had tonight, they need three volunteers for the first Wednesday of the month. Children's church, there's a list, okay? Uh, 5.6, our fifth and sixth grade, they need some volunteers. So if you are here, you're a member of our church, but you're not actively serving, we would just love for you to get involved. It's one of the ways you connect to our church. Out in the lobby, in the corner of the lobby, there's a, a board called the CSR board. There's applications right now. Pick one up, fill it out, circle one of these things. If, if you're interested in this, turn it to the Welcome Center. It gets to me, and we'll hook you up. Okay, so if you're not serving, we'd love for you to get involved, involved but you are already. We appreciate you guys, and we love you guys. Amen? Amen. All right, well, let me, let me get into the Word tonight. Um, After I got out of the hospital last year, I was in the hospital for a little while. I was at home for a little bit. I finally got back to work. Finally got assimilated into working again. And it was about a period of a month that I just started working on sermons. Whether it was simply just a title or a few notes with the title, or sometimes it was just a couple pages I was writing thoughts down, I started working on about 10 sermons, 10 different sermons. And just the thoughts I was having, things, things I, was, I was reading in the Word. About 10 sermons I started working on. And it was, I don't know, earlier this year, late last year, I was going back through those sermons I started putting together, and I noticed a theme. Every single one of the sermons was very simple in nature. There, there, maybe one of them, I think, it would what we would consider more of a deeper thing, but, but they all, all nine out of the ten were very simple in nature. You know, I'm all for the deep things of God. God is deep and he is wide, and you will never find the end of him. Amen? But sometimes we search for the deep things of God so much that we leave behind the simple things that are most important things. Right? Yeah, yeah, uh, when I was little, I think in... I don't know, I, this commercial I think started maybe in the late 70s, early 80s. Remember the Nestle Plunge? They, they'd be drinking the Nestle iced tea and fall back into a swimming pool. How many of you guys remember that? Okay. Well, that, that's what we want with God. We want the deep things, but the deep things get out of whack, they get out of place, they, they, they lose their place. But we're not taking care of the simple things. Because though God is deep and wide, the gospel has a great depth to it at the beginning. And what is the foundation for the whole thing is a very simplistic understanding of the gospel and who God is. Simple. Amen? So I want to just talk to you tonight about something that's rather simple. Okay? 
Um, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, I went to Ashley. I, I knew she was leading worship tonight. And I said, you know, I'm just going to talk Wednesday night about following Jesus. I said, just so you know, I know, I know you guys do about three songs on Wednesday. Maybe um, part of worship to be a song that kind of is geared towards that. She goes, well, the only one I can think of is that old song. I have decided to follow Jesus. I said, yes, that's the only song I know. So we actually closed out service tonight with it. And, and when she said that, I said, you know, I wonder how old that song is. How, how many of you know the origin of the song? Anybody? I, I didn't know if it was a common knowledge or it was just me if I didn't know it. So she actually right there got on her phone and she, she looked at it and, wow, this, this song was written in the, in the 19th century. So late 1800s, I decided to follow Jesus. And she started to read the story behind the song and she just went, oh my goodness. I went back to my office, I pulled it up, true story. I'm going I'm to tell you the origin of the song I've decided to follow Jesus. Um, India, late 1800s, I'm, I'm going to read this so I make sure I get it completely right. A lot of Welsh missionaries, it was a, it was a great uh, evangelistic uh, missionary sent, you know, rush to India. But many of the provinces in India had a harsh reaction to foreigners and certainly a harsh reaction to the gospel. So many, 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 many missionaries were, were martyred for their faith. And there was one particular uh, province in India where a Welsh missionary uh, had been doing work there. He, he was uh, severely persecuted, but he finally saw his first converts. A family, a father, a mother, and, and two daughters. And when I read the story, I cried, by the way, so I'm going to try to make it through without doing that. But the province that they were in, the town, wanted to make an example of this family. So they gathered the family together, said to the father, if you do not recant your faith, we're going to kill your daughters. He did not. He killed both his daughters. One more chance, we're going to kill your wife. He not recant his faith. Killed his wife. Then they killed him. But this is where the origin of the song is. True story. Witnesses reported that when they asked him to recant or see his children murdered, and by the way, they shot them with arrows to kill them. He said, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. They killed his daughters. After they killed his daughters, they gave him another chance. He said, the world can be behind me, but the cross is still before me killed his wife. Then he said, though no one will go there with me, still I will follow Jesus. They killed him. This, this, this story was circulated so much, it became very well known in India. And finally, somebody took those reported words, and it was the very first Christian Indian hymn that was written. It was made famous in America by the Billy Graham Association Crusades. 
That's where America, we came to learn. So when you sang that song, you didn't know you were singing an Indian hymn from the late 1800s, from the words of a man whose family was being martyred for their faith. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The cross is still before me, right? The world's going to be behind me. And even though I'm the only one left, still none go with me. I'm still going to follow. See, simplistic message, I, I have decided to follow Jesus. You see, the cross, I, mean, I, mean, I want to talk to you about the cross just for a minute. See, crucifixion, we need to get beyond this thing. Sometimes when we think about Jesus and certainly the two that we're crucified with, and we, we, we really talk about it, obviously Easter's coming up pretty soon. It's coming fast. Uh, we'll focus on it. We, we get this idea that the only crucifixions in history were Jesus and the two that were with him. Ro- Rome practiced crucifixions for about 500 years. They did not invent it, by the way. It was something that they saw maybe with the Persians. They're not quite sure but they practiced crucifixion. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people were crucified on crosses. A couple of historical stories you can find. Um, you ever see the movie Spartacus? Well, the true story of Spartacus is he led a slave uprising against Rome, um, probably about 70 years before the birth of Jesus. The Romans crushed the uprising. The guy, the, the Roman senator that was really responsible for crushing the uprising, he had 6,000 slaves crucified along what's called the Appian Way. One every 40 yards in order for him to have a parade down the Appian Way. The Romans were good at crucifixion. Just a couple years before the birth of Jesus, um, there, there was an uprising in Galilee. A guy named Judas uh, Ben Hezekiah, he led a revolt against Rome. Romans crushed the revolt, crucified some 2,000 odd Jewish, uh, what we, they would call in the rebellion. And I, tell you, I say that to tell you this. That, Jesus and his disciples were very familiar with crucifixion. Crucifixion uh, was meant not just to to kill somebody, but to absolutely positively humiliate and degrade them before they died. The whipping, the scourging was meant to weaken the body, but to humiliate them in front of people. At times when they were made to carry the cross, and Jesus was, that was all about humiliating them in front of the crowds. The reason they nailed him to the cross and did it the way they did, they knew they would not die right away. The reason was so people could see them die and further humiliate them. It was Rome saying, if you mess with us, this is what happens to you. This was, this was the crush of the state. Though, though lots of different kinds of uh, criminals could be crucified, it was especially held for slaves and those in rebellion against Rome. They were good at it. 
see, following Jesus, and we're going to go to Matthew chapter 16, following Jesus cannot be done in a consumeristic manner. And what I mean by that is, is a consumer is somebody that just takes and, and what do I get out of this? What's this, what's this benefit me? What do I gain from this? It, consumeristic Christianity, and it's out there. It, you, you can be in danger of gaining the whole world yet still lose your soul. Because in the simplistic nature of Christianity is something like this. I believe, which causes me to repent, therefore I now what? Follow. Why? Because you're told to. I mean, it's be simple. He asked you, follow me. Does he make any promises up front when he says that? Not really. But the disciples, he cast in there, hey, follow me. We've heard something about this guy. No promises. Follow me. I have decided to follow Jesus. And somewhere in the minds of something turns, there's no turning back from this. Even if I'm the only one left still following him, I'm going to follow Jesus. It can't be based on what you get because the foundation of it is what you give. If it's based on what you get only, you're going to find yourself disappointed at times. It doesn't always go the way you want it to go. God doesn't always work by the ways that we think it should work. We'll talk about this a little more in a minute. See, Matthew chapter 16, let's just go there because I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Matthew 16, and you understand what I'm saying here. Following Jesus is foolish to the world. You follow in faith. Amen. Cold message Sunday, choose faith. You follow in perseverance. Patience. Can't race through the kingdom of God. You know that. You'll miss it. You follow even if you don't understand. Right? The way is narrow. It can be hard. Enter the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter into it. But narrow is the gate and therefore the road. And sometimes only can find it. The way can be narrow. The way, the way can be hard. That doesn't sound very consumeristic in nature, does it? Now, now, before I keep going, I'm, I'm all for the blessings of God. You understand that. Don't, don't mistake me. But that's not what I'm all about. In the base, simplistic nature of being a disciple is simply following Jesus. What's a disciple? Somebody who follows Jesus. Anything more than that, you're making it too hard. I'm going to follow Jesus. Why? Because I believe. 
and I have repented. Therefore, I'm rethinking my entire life based on Jesus Christ. Amen. Matthew 16. We're going to break this passage up into three sections. So I'm going to read, we're going to talk, I'm going to read again, talk, and then we'll finish it out. And uh, verse number 13. And when Jesus came in to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, saying, Whom do men say the Son of Man am? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias or Elijah, and some others Jeremiah or, or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I also say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I should build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell, let me, let me reinforce this, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Amen. Okay. And I'll give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt on earth, or bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then he charged the disciples that they would tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Peter had a revelation not given to him by man. It's important to know that. He caught something through following Jesus, seeing things. He caught something that caused him to respond, yeah, yeah, you, okay, prophet, you work, we know you're a prophet. John the Baptist alive again, Elijah come again, Jeremiah come again, one of the great prophets. But no, 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 there's something, something bigger is going on here. I believe you are Jesus the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. I believe that, man. Revelation. Do you believe? I'm talking, do you really believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the son of God? And this revelation didn't come from something some guy said, but, but the Holy Spirit, it may have come from something, but the Holy Spirit grabbed it and it Fused it into your soul. Do you believe that? I mean, really believe. Because when somebody's asking you, and well, you, if you don't recant, I'm going to kill your daughters. And your response is, I have decided to follow Jesus. I don't know about you, but that guy believed. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, would, I would want to, I don't know, but I would want to count myself worthy enough to, to do that in that situation. Count myself that worthy. That, that, that man, I mean, he believed. It wasn't just some peripheral idea about God. It wasn't just, well, well yeah, I kind of grew up in church. It wasn't like, you know, uh, you know, somebody told me about this, and I'm thinking about it, or, you know, God's a good idea. No, he, he believed that Jesus is the Son of God. No questions asked. Do you believe that much? 
Because true repentance and how much you follow is based on what you really believe about that. You know, we, we did the young adult worship night. One of the things we talked about that night, very briefly, was, you know the parable of the treasure of the field? Man finds the treasure in the field, turns it back up, he goes, sells everything he has in order to buy the field, and then right after, same deal with a pearl of great price, right? Does the treasure of Jesus himself, and therefore the kingdom of God, is it still that valuable to you today? How many of you would consider yourself saved for a long time? Anybody? Yeah, I think a lot of us. Is, is, is that treasure, Jesus, is he still that valuable to you right now as when you first found the treasure 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 30 years ago? Today, right now. Are you still right now willing to give up everything that you have to follow Jesus? You know why you can't start with consumeristic ideas about what you get from God at the start? Because I heard, it may have been John Piper or somebody, I read it in a book. He made a, he made a statement that just blew my mind for a second. If you get to heaven, or, or you make it, you're, you know, you're... you're uh, your body's made new, new heaven, new earth, everything happens. Everything you ever wished for is there, but Jesus wasn't. Would you miss him? That gives a good idea of what you think about when you think about Christianity, why you can't start with the stuff that you get. You've got to start with him. Because you can get everything you have and miss him. And again, I'm all for you getting what you want. But that's not really what it's all about. And in this world, you're going to leave it behind anyhow. What's the, what's the greatest miracle you can think of in the Bible? Lazarus, maybe, being raised from the dead. I don't, you know, Lazarus still died. That wasn't the final end all of the greatest thing. You know that? You get, you get all right now. It, it, it's not what it's about. Right? Jesus, that you found this great treasure and you believe. I mean, you believe. And it causes you to understand you need to repent. And then then I'm going to be a disciple. I'm simply going to follow. And yes, it'll take you into the deep things of God and you'll be like the nesty guy falling in the pool sometimes, and that's wonderful. But you only get there because you really follow and the reason it'll stay where it needs to stay in your idea of God and your theology of God be- because you are following. Because you still give them a chance to correct you when you get out of line with the stuff. Right? But I believe. That treasure, I mean, is the good news of Jesus Christ still good news to you today? The good news, as, as Luke writes, of what? Of, of great joy. That would be for all the people. For unto you, born this day, the city of David is a savior, is born to you, a savior, Christ the Lord. Does that good news today, after you've been saved for 20 years, still bring joy to your heart? Because you found Jesus. Or better yet, he found you. Let's put it that way, right?
but do you believe? And now see what happens here. Peter makes this great confession. He's dead on. He's right. You would think what's going to follow is some wonderful stuff. They're going to sit down, you know, break some bread, kumbaya. They're going to have a good time, but, but something else happens then. Let's go back here. Verse 21. And from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. And here comes Peter, the one of the great, great revelation of who Jesus is, right? Then Peter took him, check this out, guy's got some guts. And he began to rebuke him, saying, be it far from thee, Lord, that this uh, shall not be unto thee. But he turned around Jesus and said unto Peter, get behind thee, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but that be of men. You see, let me, let me give you something short. The Jewish people believed that when the Messiah would come, whenever time in history would come, he would be a liberator, a deliverer. And they, they, they believe it, and they still believe it, by the way, right now, um, that it would be a deliverer in such a way, depending on where they're at in their history, if they're under oppression or rule, that he would... Uh, bring about an overthrowing of that rule, that he would restore Israel to its great own nation state as in the wonder of the days of King David and certainly then of King Solomon. And it's through these people of God that the whole world would then would learn about the true God. That's what they believe. So when, when they're, they're following Jesus, they're wondering, could this be the guy? because they're looking for the Messiah to come at that moment in history and throw off Roman rule. They're being oppressed. Reestablish Israel as its own kind. Because remember, all, all the promises of the Old Testament are what? Chosen people, promised land, temple built around the Torah. They're looking for all this to be reestablished in its own right. That's what it was about. So when Jesus starts saying things like, well, I'm going to go and be killed, wait, well, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. That, that can't be because the guy who sets this whole thing up can't be dead. There were many guys who came before Jesus that claimed to be the Messiah, and all of them were crushed by Rome, many of them crucified. You know that. And none of them came back to life. So the dream was dead. Well, we, I guess we know he's not the one. He died. They were looking for a liberator. Jesus is performing miracles. It takes them back to Moses. What? The exile. Getting the people out of Egypt. The, the, the Bible is a story of exile followed by exodus. It's a story that's over and over and over again. It plays out in the whole thing, and that's what they're looking for. They're looking for the deliverer. This is what Peter is expecting. Remember when they came to arrest Jesus at Gethsemane? What did Peter do? There goes the ear of the, the, 
serving a high priest. Why? He's ready for the uprising. He had no intention of Jesus dying. They, they were not, they did not understand that this was the way it had to happen. It was not there for him. It told him time and time again that it wasn't, it wasn't registering, right? Remember, remember the triumphal entry? Jesus is riding in on the colt of a donkey. The people are shouting, Hosanna, save now. What are they saying? They believe that Jesus was going into Jerusalem. He was going to set up shop. They were going to overthrow Rome, and from there the new kingdom had come, physically. Well, they, they were right the new kingdom was coming, but, but they were missing it, what it was all about. So when Jesus says, yeah, well, i got to go to Jerusalem, yes, but they're going to kill me. No! I'm going to rise three days later. I don't understand this. No, no, this can't be happening. Get behind me, Satan, because you have the ways of man in your mind, because you think we need to set up the kingdom by the ways of man, which is armies, wars, killing. That's the ways of man. But my kingdom isn't of this world, as Jesus would tell them. Remember James and John? One gospel, the mother came, but, but another they asked him, hey, this, can we sit at your right and your left in the coming kingdom? They weren't thinking about something into heaven. They were thinking, when you set up shop in Jerusalem, we want the right and the left hand of authority right now. That was their thoughts and their ideas. Get behind me, Satan. Yeah, yeah, you didn't get this revelation that I'm the Christ from man. You got it from God, but now we need to keep going with this thing. You need to follow me. Because I'm going to teach you what that really is about. Because I don't work by the ways of the world. There's something different that has to happen here. Peter had to start to buy into this idea that the ways of Jesus are the best ways. I believe so much, okay? But then when you have to follow him, do you really believe that his way is the best way? That is a question that you will face time and time and time again as you, as you live life following Jesus. You will face decisions, you will face circumstances, you will face things that, that come up just about every day, and you have to decide, are the ways of Jesus the best way? I have a choice to make. Right? It's constantly happening. Uh, probably some of the easiest ones. Uh, that may be hard. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. And through all that narrative in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, he ends it, so be perfect like your heavenly father is perfect. When it says that, he's talking about loving those who hate you. What is the ways of the world? It's not to love your enemies. Pay them back, wrong for wrong, eye for eye. As a matter of fact, you gouge my I'm gouging too. That's the way the world works. You know how the world works, Rome? You're my enemy, I'm going to crush you, I'm going to crucify you. I'll make sure you know who's boss. That's the way the world works. And Jesus said, well, when people get at you, you know, love them. Well, wait a minute. I have a choice. Am I going to go by the ways of the world, like Peter wanted? 
Or do I really believe, because Jesus really is the Son of God, that his way is the best way? Wait a second, loving my enemy is not going to get anywhere in this world. Yeah, it's okay, because this isn't your final thing. I'm not going to get ahead if I love my enemies. That's okay. Jesus never said following him is going to get you ahead. Following him is going to get you the kingdom. To, to the point of what? I've decided to follow Jesus. Well, there goes my daughter. He, that guy really had to believe that the way of Jesus was the best way. And that his ultimate reward was not right here. That's why consumeristic Christianity doesn't work in the end. He had to believe not only that Jesus was the Son of God, but he had to believe that the way of Jesus was the best way, even if it cost him his life. Right? He believed that the way of Jesus is the best way even to that end? You see what I'm saying? You're going to face these decisions every day. How you treat other people, how you, respond, how you respond to wrong in the world, in simple issues of honesty, how you treat your children, your spouse. You see what I'm saying? Every day you face decisions where you have to choose, do I do this by the world's standards? Where I do this by, that I not only believe that Jesus is who he is, but I believe his way is the best way, even if I don't understand it, even if I don't like it. I'm going to do what Jesus would want me to do. This is, that is the nature of discipleship. What is a disciple? Somebody who follows Jesus no matter what. It's that simple. See, when we say repent, it's the forgiveness of sins that's changing your life, but it incorporates, I am rethinking my entire life. I'm rethinking my entire approach to the world based on the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what repentance is. It's a total look at life and how I live based on I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and I believe that his way is the best way. No matter what, no questions asked, I'm going. Watch what he says to him next. It, this, it, he doesn't get much easier on him. By the way, this, we can sugarcoat Christianity so much to make it easier to swallow. It loses the edge of what it is in this world to be subversive to the world and actually change the world. You can't sugarcoat follow Jesus. You can't sugarcoat his way is the best way, and you've got to make choices. You can't do it. You, you see what I mean? And Jesus obviously didn't sugarcoat it himself. Watch what he says here. Verse 24. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever saved his life 
shall lose it, and whoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what does a man profit if he gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with the angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Now, we talked about the cross earlier, and to make the point, ultimately the point, that Jesus and the disciples were well aware of what crucifixion was about. Certainly during their lifetime, there were crucifixions. They probably witnessed them. We, even if we don't know that for sure, we do know the stories of, of some of the stuff, like I was saying earlier, were certainly passed down. When Jesus said, come after me, deny himself, take up his cross, not only did he, he just told him, I'm going to die, but then he just let him know how he's going to do it. He said, by the way, if you follow me, same for you. And you got to understand this. When they heard this, this was not a metaphor for spiritual things inside of you. When they heard, take up your cross, they heard Jesus say, you're going to die if you follow me. There was no metaphor in their brain at the time. They knew what a crucifixion was. They knew how it happened. They, they knew the gruesome uh, way it was done. Jesus said, it's going to happen to me. And guess what? If you follow me, that's going to happen to you. He, he, he put it right there to the disciples. This is very well possibly going to cost you your life. You still want to come with me? Do you, do you really believe that this way is the best way? Do you really believe that much in me that you believe this way is the best way? Or do you still think we need to do it some other way? And they still thought so, and they still tried. They, they, they weren't getting it. You see, it does roll metaphorically, and he, man shout, to gain life, you have to lose life. And it does roll that way. But even today, and, and certainly there, there are people in our, in our world that are losing their lives for, for Jesus as martyrs. Even today, even though we, we see it in, for us right here in America metaphorically, it cannot lose the weight of what Jesus originally meant when he said it that this is going to cost you your life in some manner. See, the wages of sin is death. If you die in your sin, it'll be the second death and it'll be eternal separation from God. But the way to life is also death, you know that? Because as Bonhoeffer says, when Christ bids a man, he bids him to come die. Die to who? You. Die to yourself. Die to the ways of, the man, of man, ways of the world, systemic sin. That you must die to yourself in the way that you want to do things, in the way that everybody else is doing things, and say, I will do it the way of Jesus, because his way is the best way, and it's going to kill me. Because he's got to become greater, and I've got to become less. Paul in his writings would have summed it up like this. I'm saved. How many of you are saved? 
But you know you're still being saved. You know what that means? Glory to glory. Paul wrote in Philippians, working out your salvation. It all means the same thing. And of course, we will be saved. What's that mean? When Jesus returns and the finality of things come to be. So I'm saved. I am being saved. This is, this is the process of losing your life in order to have life. It happens because every day you choose that the way of Jesus is the best way. I'm tempted by sin, but the way of Jesus is the best way. I'm tempted to treat this person this way, no, no, but the way of Jesus is the best way. I don't want to have compassion for this person, but the way of Jesus is the best way. And, and a lot of that, listen to me, a lot of that has nothing to do with the stuff that you get. It has to do with you becoming what God intends you to be. It, it is your new creation. Now we've got to work this thing out. But it, it's you. I have, I have decided to follow Jesus. My decision is what I must do And i got to do it in such a way there's no turning back. There's no compromise in this thing. I've decided to follow Jesus all the way through. And if none go with me, still I'm going to follow. Because the way can be narrow, but sometimes hard. So how, how do you die to yourself? How, do, how, in a metaphoric way, how do we pick up our cross and follow Jesus? It's simple. Again, very simplistic. Every day I make purposeful decisions to follow Jesus. Every decision I make, I funnel it through the fact that I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and I'm going to follow him. When I face temptation, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and I will follow him. When people try to turn me away, I'm persecuted. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and I will follow. It doesn't seem to be working out for me. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and I will follow. Well, I got blessed today. Well, good. I hope you still believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and you'll follow. It's, it's, it's simple. We, again, we get all deep and wide about this stuff, but if you're not doing that, it don't matter. It don't matter. Now, now again, as I said before, the, 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 the song written off the, the story, I consider the martyrs of the highest order of the Christian faith. I do. I, th I, think, I think they're the best. I really don't believe it's going to happen to me. But, but if I was faced with that kind of decision, I would hope that I would respond in the same manner. Because the conviction of my heart would be that strong. But if the conviction of my heart would be that strong in that moment, why can't it be that strong when I'm tempted by sin? 
Why can't it be that strong when, when I have to love my neighbor when he hates me? Why can't it be that strong when, when, when I know I need to give, but boy, I'd like to keep that and save that for my future instead? Why can't it be that way when, when the Lord says, blessed to the peacemakers, but buddy, I'd like just to have an argument right now. You see, why can't my convictions be that strong every day? Well, they can be. If every day you make purposeful decisions that you're going to follow Jesus because you believe in who he is. That is the nature of discipleship, right there. Well, don't you got to believe this and understand this and get this right? Well, well, well yeah, whatever. But you're not going to take a theology test to get into heaven. You need to grow in your faith and let that's great. But, but what's he looking for? Faith on the earth? In other words, who's following me? Going to have it perfect? No, you're working this thing out. But I'm working it out. I am going from glory to glory. Sometimes it spurts, sometimes it seems slow. But I'm going from glory to glory. Because every day I'm following. So Jesus is calling to say, follow me, but you're going to die. You are going to die right here to yourself. That's how you gain life. True life. There will be a consistent process of death and resurrection happening in you all the time. A consistent process of death and resurrection happening. Dying to myself, being raised to new life. Dying to myself, being raised to new life. Changing this in me and it's getting better. God working on this and changing it more like him. Constant happening. I am being saved. But it only happens when you choose to follow Jesus every day. Amen. Let's pray. We'll close up. Lord, Lord, we just, we just very simply, Lord, we desire you. And I pray that, that we stir ourselves up for you. We seek you first. Then we allow you to add all these things unto us. And that's wonderful. We thank you for those things, the, the blessings that come in the kingdom. We thank you for that. But I pray we dig deep down in our hearts into the very core of our being and make a declaration that will not move, that will not change, that won't crumble and fall, that won't be shifted and, 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 and cast aside, that can't be torn from us or ripped out of us. A simple declaration that has massive implications. I've decided to follow you. No matter the cost, no matter what it takes, no matter what we got to change, what we have to give up, no matter perceptions that have to change, no matter what we have to add, take away, we decide to follow you. But I thank you, Lord, that you see that, man. You're just like, wow. 
I found faith on the earth. And as we know, even her Sunday, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. To know that simple declaration, our simple everyday working towards you, it pleases you. And now while, while we're following you, it's, it's not like you jump way in front of us and, and we have to chase, but you walk right with us. Leading us and guiding us and helping us. We thank you for that. You haven't left us alone in this thing. So Lord, we simply just worship you tonight. Once, once again, dedicate ourselves to you. We praise you, Jesus. Praise Jesus. Just, just for one, one, 30 second time frame right here. Just worship him. Maybe just rededicate your heart. I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow you, Jesus, no matter what. No matter what, I'm gonna follow you. Praise you, Jesus. Tomorrow, make a point to tell somebody about Jesus.